Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Borders podcast, the podcast that explores topics related to international trade. This podcast is brought to you by Buckland. For over 75 years, Buckland has been working to help companies across the world experience global trade in a better way. As a customer-focused company, we provide you with a single source of unmatched customs brokerage, trade-managed solutions, freight forwarding, trade technologies, and warehousing and distribution services. I'm your host, Jenny Kaus, Corporate Marketing Manager at Buckland, and today I am happy to share the audio from our recent Customs 101 Canada webinar with Anka Wimbush. Anka is the National Account Manager at Buckland and holds her Certified Customs Specialist designations in both Canada and the United States. Anka has a depth and breadth of knowledge regarding brokerage and logistics gained from her over 20 years in the industry. Anka works diligently to create long-lasting relationships with companies in the logistics industry. This Customs 101 will give you the basics of importing into Canada. Subject matter covered on this podcast will include essential paperwork, best practices, and the step-by-step process to get your shipments cleared. I'll now hand it over to Anka for our Customs 101. Thank you, Jenny. That's so much appreciated. Yeah, so um, just as Jenny had mentioned, um, very basic 101, just so you understand where the liability lays, who's involved, um, how do I get the goods across, um, those kind of um, specifics. I know that there's probably going to be a lot of questions in regards to CARM and classification and all those good things, um, which we will help you get that information, but Again, very much basic, um, especially for new importers and maybe for some just a refresher uh, to know what it's like to import into Canada versus the U.S. So a customs broker. So it is a broker that is licensed by customs um, to carry out the responsibilities, anything that's related to importing the goods from any country in the world into Canada. So we're representing the importers of record. And one of our roles is to make sure that we actually obtain the release of the goods in a compliant manner. We will pay duties and taxes on behalf of the importer currently. Um, That is going to change, but it is um, our responsibility to ensure that customs receives the duties and taxes that were accounted for. If there is any carriers that need to be um, any invoices paid when we're looking at importing via air or ocean, any terminal handling, so any charges that have to be paid in order for the goods to be able to cross or to get further on from the border, Buckland would be there to help you with that. And again, we must ensure that we obtain, we have to either prepare and then present all the necessary information that is required by CBESA. And there's very um, specific um, data points that have to be sent to to CBSA. So CBSA, Canada Border Services Agency, it is a government department that is responsible for ensuring compliance Okay, that is, it is huge that we understand that terminology as um, 
you know, Canada Customs is really coming down and ensuring that importers are following the regulations, that uh, we're making sure that, you know, any other agencies that are involved when, when processing goods into Canada, that's what we call them PGAs, because there are certain requirements that have to be met. So when you're importing goods that fall under another government department like CFIA or Narcan, um, they have to be cleared through that participating government department and then released by CBSA. So all the necessary documentation has to be on file and submitted to CBSA in order to get those goods released. And they have the right to deny access to any goods that are coming in. They can seize them. They can request additional information if, you know, if they haven't truly believed what was sent was accurate. And um, it is very important to comply with the regulations and to familiarize yourself with those regulations prior to importing. So what's an importer of record? And that is the company that is actually responsible for payment of all duties and taxes. They're responsible to ensure that the information that is being provided to the broker is accurate and that if there is any fines or penalties resulting from inaccurate information or any missing information, um, it's the importer. So I know it's difficult because you're thinking, well, the shipper's making the documents up. They're doing the, the customs invoice or the commercial invoice. They're providing the free trade agree agreement if applicable. And yet it's the importer who is responsible to ensure that these goods um, are, are crossing in a compliant manner. It is also very important to understand that when you hire a customs broker such as Buckland, we're the ones that are obtaining the information and that is what we're submitting. So the information that is received is the information that's being submitted. So it's important that we have the most accurate, most current. If there's any changes on route, uh, if, if possibly, um, you know, the value changed before the goods cross or, or the wrong invoice was provided, you have to ensure that we have the most recent data and that that is what is given to CBSA prior to the driver or the, or the shipments being submitted to customs. You also are required as an importer to keep records and it doesn't matter where you are. We have also non-resident importers but you have to keep records of, your, um, of, of all the documents that were submitted by the broker. And those documents are gonna include everything that we submitted. For example, the commercial invoice, it's going to have the pricing on there, the quantities, if there's a bill of lading, um, if there were certificates attached, everything is packaged together. And that is what you have to keep on file. Um, it has before, it used to just be hard copy, um, that we had to keep, but fortunately customs changed that to an electronic format years ago, um, which is again, much easier to, um, to access that data. So the exporter vendor, this is the company that actually sometimes, but most times they do arrange the transportation. Again, it depends on what your INCO terms are and who's responsible for what but they do provide you with the documentation that the broker requires in order to submit the goods, okay? So 
they are also responsible for that certificate of origin. Used to be NAFTA, um, it is now Kuzma, and if it applies or any any certificates of origin, if goods are coming directly, um, you know, from Europe, and you know, the, there's a certificate that can apply if applicable. We have to, those are the individuals that are preparing those, and they have to match the customs invoice. So when we say here that the exporter can act as the importer of record, that is when you're a non-resident importer. So a lot of companies that we've had, it could be a company that resides in, in the United States and they also file and, and um, obtain a business number in Canada. So they are the exporter and they are the importer so that their customers just receive the goods right at their door without any of the um, customs, as we call it, red tape. And again, they, it's the same um, regulations. It doesn't matter where you reside in, but these documents, when they're picked up, are given to the carrier who then, and, and it varies, whatever your procedure is, either the, the shipper will send it in advance to the broker or the shipper will send it um, with the, with the uh, carrier. And we have received, you know, uh, paperwork shipped um, you know, faxed to us by the carrier, um, any variants, they're emailed. Uh, we get them in all different forms, but um, it is imperative that we receive the correct documents. So what documentation is required? And that's a really good point to bring up as we receive many different uh, documents. Sometimes it's just a bill of lading, um, Sometimes it is a commercial invoice, which is fine, but it is imperative though that the commercial invoice have all the pertinent information that's on a customs invoice. Okay, and as the importer of record, you have to ensure that the broker has all the data elements that we need in order to successfully um, submit the entry to customs so that there aren't any penalties to the importer because that's who we are acting on behalf of is the importer of record. So I mentioned the previous slide about a customs invoice. So Canada Customs does have their own um, invoice, uh, which has much more detailed information than a regular commercial invoice. However, um, commercial invoices absolutely are acceptable as long as they have the following data elements. As you can see on the, on the right side of the slide, we have to have the vendor, we have to have the date it was shipped. And the reason that the date of direct shipment is important is because most commercial invoices are coming in the currency that the goods are being shipped from. So if they're shipped from the US or they were purchased in US dollars, Canada Customs takes the exchange rate from the date of direct shipment, the date that the shipment actually left that country to, con to get the exchange rate and convert it into Canadian dollars. Okay, so it's imperative that we have it. If the commercial invoice sometimes doesn't have the date of direct shipment, a bill of lading will, or when it was the goods were actually physically picked up. We have the purchasing name and address, which can be different. I mean, the goods can ship from a warehouse, but the actual vendor who it was purchased from can differ, which is information we would require. Origin. That is a huge one that we have to um, inquire quite a bit on, on a lot of invoices. 
we can't assume that if the goods are coming from the U.S., that they're manufactured in the U.S. There are a lot of goods that have come in that are of many different origins, China, Germany, France, from any, all over the world, even um, goods coming from the U.S. were manufactured in Mexico. So it's imperative that we have the correct country of origin. And that is something that you want to ensure that when you purchase the goods, that you have that information because duty may be applicable. Terms of sale, again, if you know, if it's, if it's information that you have, if it's a, a repair, if it's a temporary import, again, they would be different regulations. However, um, if you can elaborate on it, on the sale portion, uh, that is also um, important for us. The currency, so that we know when we're declaring it, what the value, true value of the goods are. A complete description. And not just a complete one, but we want to be very accurate. Um, let's just say that you're importing um, some automotive parts into Canada. We have to be specific on the part. It can't just be that generic. It has to be components of it, exactly what is being imported. And I know that the HS classification code is something that will let us know what it is if it is on the documents, which a lot of times a classification code is not on a commercial invoice. And if there's any freight charges, if there are, um, if the vendor that you purchased the goods from included uh, the freight to, uh, charges to move the freight into Canada, we would have to deduct those because what we're claiming to customs is the true value, the price of the goods without any freight in there. So that is something that we need to know to remove it so that we're declaring the correct value to customs. So the certificate of origin, as you all know, as of July, um, NAFTA did not, does not exist anymore and it is called Kuzma now. And I know there were probably a lot of questions that are gonna be coming in regards to that certificate and how to fill it out and how to go, uh, do I go about it? Um, do know that we have a learning guide that is available for more specific uh, information on that. Um, this is more just explaining that how this certificate of origin, if applicable, your goods can come into Canada duty-free. We have to have this certificate of origin before we do the final accounting. So I can transmit a shipment to customs without the certificate and it can cross the border. However, I do need that certificate before the final accounting is completed so that we don't charge the duty, okay? And also if you know that um, you have paid duty on some goods and later on find out that, oh, they qualified for Kuzma, we can still get you that refund. And the nice thing about Kuzma, which we didn't have with the NAFTA is that when you had a NAFTA on file, you had up to one year to file for a refund. But with a Kuzma certificate of origin, you can now submit refunds up to 40 years later, which can be very instrumental to a lot of customers that that's how far you can go back and get a duty refunded if applicable. 
So the bill of lading, we don't always receive a bill of lading with the goods. Um, it is something that is normally prepared um, by the carrier. Sometimes it is part of the package and it is provided by the vendor. But this is a really good document to have, for example, as I mentioned before on a customs invoice, you don't have that date of direction and you can see possibly the commercial invoice will have a date on there um, when the goods were purchased or maybe when that invoice was created. Um, but a bill of lading would actually give us the date of when the goods were physically picked up. And, um, you know, it's something that is not required in order for me to be able to process the shipment. I would use the date available that is on that invoice and use it. Um, so it, not having a bill of lading will not delay your shipment. It is just an extra document that we find fundamental and has some good information on there for us. Even when it gets down to piece count, possibly, it's very documented that way and, and it does provide us with additional information. So B13, this is a filing that is done in Canada for goods that are valued over $2,000 in Canadian dollars. So a while ago, uh, Canada Customs, I'm gonna say two, three years ago, did an audit on a lot of customers, clients, sorry, importers, where they realized that B13s, their exports were not being uh, were low in filing and they couldn't understand why the goods were not being declared when they were leaving Canada. And there was a misunderstanding with a lot of uh, shippers in Canada that they understood that if they ship goods to anywhere in the world, and this uh, does not include the U.S., but if you ship to Mexico, that you didn't think you had to do a B-13 export, and it is a must. So a lot of vendors were thinking, okay, so I'm shipping, but my only um, liability was to get it to perhaps Laredo. Okay, so it's in Laredo, hits the warehouse, I'm done. Well, that's not the scenario, the case in this scenario, as you knew that the goods were going into Mexico, they were further, they were, that was the final destination. And when you know that, then you must file a B-13 and let Canada Customs know that goods at a value over 2000 are leaving Canada and where they're going to. And there are new regulations. Um, it's all electronic. They're not accepting paper copies anymore. Uh, it's a new system that has been, and I mean, there are some exporters that are, you know, exporting more frequently and have actually filed their own exports. Um, however, um, when you do have any exports that you have, that aren't as frequent, you can have your broker clear, uh, do the export filing on your behalf. Import permits. So import permits um, come in very different. You can, for steel, uh, we have import permits for vehicles, uh, trailers, uh, things like that. And this, these are um, imports that do fall under that participating government departments, other government departments. They were used, they used to be known as OGD. And it is very important that these permits are in place and that you're aware of them, that you are aware that your goods, what you're importing to Canada 
are required. For example, when you're importing um, trailers or vehicles, in order to get them licensed once they enter Canada, these permits have to be on file, okay? So once we um, file the entry to customs, then it goes to another government department and it depends where it falls under, then they will clear the goods and then it will come back as an approval and then we will receive a release uh, or proceed to, to the border release from CBSA. Reporting discrepancies. And I find that um, they're not as done as frequently. Maybe sometimes it's due to internal processes at a facility that's in Canada, where when you receive the goods to your dock, your warehouse, wherever the goods are coming to the plant, and you realize that there's a shortage because the carrier normally wants you to sign off on it. They want you to sign off on the goods that everything's in good order. And then you realize that maybe you're off a skid count or after the pieces are, you're off on a piece count. There's something that isn't correct. The pricing is off. Um, anything that you find that is a discrepancy should be reported to the broker. And the reason I say that is because we need to amend the entry. So if you're looking at that you were supposed to get 10 skids and you received five, Okay, so you've accounted for 10, you're going to be, um, the amount of goods we've accounted for and the value is for the full amount. So we need to see what happened. Is it something that is gonna be coming down in a week later? Is it something that was short shipped right from the beginning? So the vendor never told you that, you know, it was short, you know, so many pallets. So we can amend the entry for you on your behalf and make sure that you know that customs knows that what was declared, it was truly what wasn't received, okay? And then that's where we do an amend, a B2 filing. And it can be for, like I said, various reasons, um, difference in pricing, um, shortages, overages. Um, I can tell you a lot of people are not uh, claiming or reporting any discrepancies in overages as of course having a new commercial invoice with additional fees on there in regards to meaning higher value, possibly additional fees, but to be compliant and to follow the CBSA regulations, any discrepancies should be reported to the broker so that we can amend the entry accordingly. Record keeping, so, so very important not just for an importer of record, but also as a broker. We must, as a customs broker, keep records of all the shipments we've ever processed for six years plus current. So as an importer, you have the same expectations. Even a non-resident importer, when you're looking even at the non-resident importers, which means they're, they're importers that reside outside of Canada, they actually must sign a form and it's called the maintaining records outside of Canada. That form is completed and it's sent to Canada uh, revenue. And they, you are advising them that I don't reside in Canada. However, I'm keeping copy of these records outside. And then obviously it's more detailed information as to where, what street address, state, et cetera, or what country. 
So very important because if customs comes back and requests a copy of the entry, they expect you to be able to go in that filing cabinet or go on that drive if you're keeping electronic format and provide it with a copy that was provided by your broker. The backup too is for you is I can't find it. It was in my finance department or whoever was looking after it is no longer with the company. Us as your broker, we would be able to retrieve that data for you so that you could present it to CBSA upon their request. So many, many years ago, uh, CBSA implemented monetary penalty system. They realized that importers were not really abiding by their regulations. So they thought, well, if we put a monetary penalty, maybe, you know, they'll start abiding by the regulations. And it has impacted uh, many companies. We've seen them. Uh, the penalties, it, honestly, it is um, a massive list of, of different um, authorities that they fall under the Customs Act. But we do find that the most popular ones um, that is if they find an incorrect data element, incorrect data on the entries. Okay. So if possibly you had the wrong country of origin. Okay. And they can prove that you didn't know about it. So you're supposed to from 30, you have 30 days from the date of knowledge to correct an entry. Okay. So um, origin, value, many different kinds that please ensure that the entries are fixed because we don't want them to find the error. If you find the error, let's amend it and avoid any penalties. Uh, one of the big ones where we were shocked is the amount that they would charge um, for not being able to provide them with a copy of an entry that they have requested. And you can see by um, the fourth offense is $25,000, which is, it's huge. That is um, absolutely massive. I personally have not seen um, anybody receive that kind of monetary penalty. Um, but just so we're clear too, is these penalties are not just for an importer. As a customs broker, uh, we receive penalties and can receive penalties as well. And it'll range from, you know, late filing. Um, there, there's a whole other list for brokers as well. And that's why we're very adamant about following the regulations, not just that we follow um, in a compliant way, but that we're doing it on behalf of our importer, you know, who, who is, you know, wants to make sure they select the right broker to know that their entries are being taken care of in the way that it should be to avoid any amps. So border security, as you know, it is, well, they're closed right now uh, due to COVID. I can't, I can't go anywhere into the U.S., but um, border security is, was really hyped up, and it was from that 9-11. And most of the programs that are out there now are completely voluntary. Uh, like for myself, uh, I chose to have a Nexus card. I chose to be a trusted traveler so that I can go uh, back and forth across the U.S. border without, um, let's just say with less questions and less exams, uh, they, still, they still question quite a bit. 
Um, but the fast lanes, they, that, that's a great um, program to be part of as a carrier uh, where they can actually, you know, cross with less examinations. They have dedicated lanes as well. And of course, the CT pad and PIPs, those are the partner in protection is the, is the uh, Canadian version of CT pad. Uh, very important. A lot of our clients are, um, you know, certified and have these programs in place. And you're just, you're volunteering and saying, you know, I am abiding by it. I have my certificates. Uh, I will keep up on them. I will do the reviews. I will ensure that um, they don't expire. And again, having these certificates doesn't mean that you don't have to be as compliant. It's just letting them know that you have voluntarily have applied for them, that you're keeping the regulations intact, and um, that you as an importer into Canada or an importer into the U.S. are abiding by all the rules and regulations. And that's the Beyond Borders podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our guest, Anka Wimbush, for joining us and sharing your expertise. If you're looking for more resources related to international trade, check out buckland.com and click on the learning section across the top of the website. Here you will find a range of resources, including learning guides, webinars, and podcasts. The best way to keep up to date on all of these resources is through our weekly newsletter. We send out a newsletter every Wednesday containing our latest resources, as well as a roundup of the latest trade news delivered right to your inbox. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us through our website's Contact Us page, or through Twitter, where our handle is at BucklandTweets, or on our LinkedIn page or Instagram at Buckland Insta. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Borders podcast and be sure to tune in again and subscribe for more great conversations about importing, exporting, and everything else in the world of logistics and international trade.